Hello and welcome to another episode of Nordic Surfers Mag Conversations. This is your host, uh, Joshua B. Kirkman. Today I um, have the good fortune to sit in the sunshine here in Lund, where I base myself, and uh, sitting opposite me is a gentleman that everyone would know um, from the Swedish surfing scene, uh, Tim Latte. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Nice of you to drop by. Nice of you to drop by. So, I mean, I'm just going to get straight into it. I'm going to ask the question that everybody's wondering about you these days. Are you a Nicaraguan citizen yet? Has that been made official? Um, not yet. Um, I'm never going to be a citizen, but I'm pretty much sure going to be a resident soon, actually. Yeah, full time. Okay, so what's this all about? You, you've obviously, you've been seemed to be spending quite a lot of time in that part of the world. What, what exactly are you doing over there? Yeah, the reason for being in Nicaragua, wow, I never actually saw myself living in that part of the world because cold water surfing has been one of my things and living in Indonesia for a long time. Um, I just saw myself um, representing Sweden in Costa Rica 2016 and then I went up um, to Nicaragua to visit a friend and I saw the potential of the area and I saw the quality of waves and um, I just looked around for some property and the, the value, uh, the money, the cost of property wasn't that big. So I decided to invest into it and see if I could do a good investment in creating something of my own for the future. And so what, what exactly have you been building there? I mean, I see a few random shots here and there and, and a few thing, few nice sunsets. But um, so what exactly are you doing there? Yeah, at the moment, um, I've just been uh, looking around to see uh, what the potential is. But I've finalized it down to actually produce, like making a, a sustainable surf hostel sort of thing for people to just come down, live cheap, eat good food, have a good time and surf great waves all day under the sun. That's pretty much what I want to do. Give them the dream. Sounds like a pretty good dream. Yeah. Um, what, which part of Nicaragua are we talking about? And, and maybe give the listener a little bit of an idea about what kind of waves and local vibe you can expect in that part of the world. Wow. And first of all, Nicaragua, it's a pretty unique place. Um, you know, everyone's got, like, focused on Indonesia, how the great waves are, like, perfect waves. Yeah, sure, there's perfect waves in Indonesia, but so the crowds are heavy. Nicaragua is a bit of an untapped resource when it comes to uh, waves. People haven't really discovered everything yet or just been keeping their mouth shut about it. But the thing is in Nicaragua is the trade winds and the trade winds are offshore. Th- um, I think it's around 300 days a year or something like that. So, And it's all day as well. So for me, for example, I don't really like getting up early in the mornings and catch that early bird gets the worm caught kind of thing. So... I'm just more of a waking up around 9, 10, checking the waves, have a good coffee, meet your mates, and then you, just from, you take it from there on and you can surf offshore like, like morning glass all day until the sun sets. And uh, where I live, I live in the area called Popoyo, which is like the, everyone who's heard of Nicaragua and like heard of surfing in Nicaragua knows about Popoyo. It's a little playground. Uh, you got so many varieties of different waves in the area. We got everything from like where I live in Playa Santana, which is like one of the best beach breaks I ever surfed in my whole life. It's you get barreled, you you do turns, and it's five, six different peaks, not too many people. And then just around the corner, you got like six left, 
uh, that I'm not going to mention because some of the boys <laughs> back there would pretty off me if I did. Uh, but then just around that corner, you got a couple more va- waves and you got the famous Playa Colorados, which is like one of the barrel machines. But in my eyes, it's more of a close-out machine, really. Uh-huh. But then if you like from Santana, you look right and then you got... Uh, Beginners Bay, which has like a long, long, long left hander when it's really big and then it's really suitable for soft tops, beginners, having a ball, just like having fun. And then we come to the more serious business where you got the outer reef, which is pretty gnarly. Like you have some of the Hawaiian boys coming over from pipe and they're saying like the takeoff is way gnarlier than most waves they surf. Uh, when I'm out there, I usually use like a padded impact vest and a brain bucket, like a full on gaff helmet. Sick. Because when you take off, you just see the reef just sticking up and then you just, the barrel is so fickle and unpredictable, but it's heavy as hell. Mm. And then you got this inside section. So if you usually, you wipe out, you pretty much, you're pretty much gonna hit the reef. So a lot of the guys, I haven't been there out, out there too many times. But some of the guys that actually do dedicate a lot of time to it, living there full time. I've never seen so skilled barrel riding in my whole life, backside on such a heavy slab, just into rock. Some guys just are killing it. And they can't even do a turn properly when you see them on the way. <laughs> and it's pretty funny. You're like, wow, really? What's going on here? And then, like, from there on, you have Popoya Reef, which is a right and left. Pretty fun for turns. And then you got, like, beach breaks. And then further north, you have so many different waves that are secret or just, like, no one really gets to because it's hard to get there and to know about them. Okay, so there's a lot happening in that part of the world for waves. Um how long now have you been so it's since 2015 that you kind of became aware of that part of the world and now you've you've started to develop your your site there when can we expect um or i guess maybe there's maybe we'll talk a little bit more now about the some of the issues that have popped up in nicaragua lately because you know you did you obviously you've had plans to open something up and to invite people there to stay but there have been a bit of a political turn of events in Nicaragua that's kind of pretty heavy right now. So do you want to explain a little bit about that from what you know or have experienced on the ground in, in, in your part of the world? Yeah, what Nicaragua is going through right now is um, it's what everyone call a revolution. Um, it's something that just popped up. Um, a lot of us were just, what is going on right now? Um, for a lot of the foreigners doing an investment, um, buying property, and mostly for the locals, what their future is going to hold is something that is very is a big concern for just everyone who's involved in kind of like living there. Just have anything to do with Nicaragua right now. Um, for me, for example, I had to put my project on hold because I can't invest any more money in the country right now, not knowing what the political forecast is going to well, what is what's going to play out in the country. Um, from my my ho- I hope that the president right now, Daniel Ortega, is um, is gonna have to uh, just gonna have to step down. He's done too much. He, the 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 people are suffering. They're like Nicaragua is one of the countries in Central South America that lives under the poverty line, but they're one of the most happiest people in the world as well, for what I'm, my personal experience. So for, there's no other choice. He has to step down and let, these, let this country thrive because it's such a beautiful country and they have potential and the main income is tourism. And after the civil war in the 80s that have ended in the late 80s, uh, Nicaragua's had a hard time building up this reputation of becoming, like, becoming a tourist attraction like Costa Rica, Panama or uh, other countries around in Central America. And this year, uh, end of last year, started this year, it was finally 
starting to get there you know nicaragua was on the map it was in the surf magazines it was just like in the tourist guides everything and then overnight this thing just happened and everyone just got i think a bit scared and we're like no nah, this is gonna end in two weeks but then after four weeks and then people got killed in riots and uh, like uh, kidnapped and obtained and then just like harassed by police and government paramilitary militias so right now the forecast is not looking very good for nicaragua and unfortunately it's going to be like that for a while but the coastal areas where i live is safe it's not affected by anything of this it's only in the major cities that's being uh, like this is like a guerrilla warfare really so against them um, people just riding against um, heavy weaponized like heavy arm heavily armed paramilitaries shooting live ammunitions on anything from kids to elderly people so yeah it's uh, it's um, it's a sad story but I really do hope for Nicaragua's sake that this is gonna end soon because they need it they need they need a thrive they need to they need a future right now and they were doing so well mm-hmm. well I'm sure that's um yeah it's sad news for everyone involved and also um yeah obviously you seem quite passionate about the place and not only investing money but actually investing yourself into a place mm-hmm. I'm sure it's um it hurts a little bit to see it um descend into a bit of chaos at the moment but I mean, so does this mean that, I mean, we can expect to see you in, in some colder water lately? I know that you're um, nursing a bit of an injury at the moment. So do you want to talk about that injury for a second? Because it's kind of heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in Nicaragua. This is actually like the day before the revolution started. So it wasn't really good, like a good couple of days there. Um, I was riding my bike home and I crashed in around like 40, 50K. And uh, I pretty much crashed pretty bad. I, I actually got away with minor injuries compared to what could have been mm. so i ended up losing a lot of the skin on my like my left hand and my, my left knee and my foot which you know it grows back but um then on my right hand when i fell i actually punched the steering wheel and it actually displaced my knuckle by like three or three and a half centimeters up and it actually uh twisted at 60 degrees down so it made it made life really hard right there because I didn't, I didn't really realize that I broke the knuckle or crushed it because I was so much pain from, from, the, from the scrapes from the ground as well. So when I was in bed getting all nerd, like, okay, I'm going to stay here and see what the, when the swelling goes down and see if I can move my finger and everything. And then just this thing just broke out. So I just booked a, I do, I booked a flight home straight away. Um, and on the way home, for example, um, I got stopped. It took me, I don't know how many hours it took me. It usually takes an hour to the airport. It took me, I was, I I got in the cab probably like 14 hours before my plane and I kind of made it, like I barely made it, made (laughs) a flight. And that's due to the revolution that was going on. Like people were building up barricades, burning tires. They were shooting mortars and they're just around me just riding. And the police were shooting back. So I was stuck in a queue with a taxi, broken hand, lying in the back seat with a a cover over me because if they see the blonde hair and this revolution is going on and they haven't got any income because they lose all the jobs because the tourism is gone, they're just going to see me as an income and they just pull a gun and give me everything you got. So I was in the back of the seat with like broken hand, all bruised up, ready to go home, just over life right then. And just like, all right, this is actually the scariest moment in my life right now. This is a milestone. This is not, not a milestone, but this is like the, <laughs> this is like the moment where I... <laughs> that's the wrong word to use. Yeah, but we always want a milestone. Yeah, a milestone. But yeah. this is like the moment. I was just like then and there saying like, all right, this is the heaviest moment of my life right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
That's heavy. So, uh, but I mean, you're on the mend now, and um, so I mean, we can expect to see you surfing a bit more in the colder waters. So you're you're sticking around maybe in this part of the world for a while, and you're looking to chase a few swells and things like that. Um, is that kind of the plan in the next few months? Yeah, um, it was a period, it was like a two month recovery. Now I'm actually finally getting back to movements with my hand because after that, all um, the me- like oh yeah the cast and the medals and the mm. operation and everything in my hand that and all went well thanks to the healthcare back home here it was, it was super so um i'm finally back and uh, i wasn't gonna stay in sweden for that long that wasn't the plan i was gonna go down in port i'm still going to portugal but i had to postpone it a bit but my plan is definitely to stay around here in europe right now and do the call like spend a lot of time in norway um possibly ireland to just do some more cold water surfing and exploring and just embracing the Nordic lifestyle really like as a camper and just um, just just being out in nature where I love to be um, and one good thing about it as well um, I met this girl my girlfriend now here as oh, well hello. so I'm gonna bring her on on the trips as well which is pretty nice I understand you're gonna teach her how to use that camera as well yeah That's man really it's either that or plan. surfing man <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. I mean, you've been on the scene. Obviously, you've grown up through the the surfing scene here in Sweden, and you've kind of evolved through it. We've already had a good chat about that in the past, actually, about your beginnings of um, wake surfing behind your dad's boat and then uh, basically skimboarding in a pool to practice your calves. So we don't have to go too deep into that. But um, you've how, how has the surfing culture in your opinion in the nordics kind of evolved or changed over time like what was it like in the beginning and yeah how is it how has it progressed yeah surfing in uh, scandinavia i would say especially in sweden was pretty small when i started um you know you knew everyone you knew everyone when i was surfing my local break tour you know you, you knew everybody and it was a it was a it was a small crew but fairly big as well you didn't see every familiar face when you were out there but you're always rounding to people you meet like you know today when you're surfing tour <laughs> it's another story mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's a beautiful thing to see that people are getting out and enjoying the ocean and actually like embrace as you surfing you know it's a cool thing to see that it's actually becoming a legit sport and a good hobby like a big hobby in sweden and you see like uh stores like 654 in stockholm like a really sick store just um pushing it and uh, just like you know, bar- like they're they're still they're in the core of Swedish surf scene, and then you got like surfers in Varberg, Red Snapper, Malmö, which is like shops that's been around. Um, yeah, but the surf scene has grown pretty fast, pretty quick compared to a lot of countries that don't really have any waves or like often. Mm. So I was kind of shocked when I was out like probably a year and a half ago, or, like last yeah a year and a half ago I was out in Tura, and I counted I don't know how many heads were out there, but I was just oh my god this is gonna be a shit show, you know you pretty much like when you surf big waves you put on a brain bucket you mm. pretty much want to like a Yulfayel ice hockey helmet out there with a freaking <laughs> grill on it because everyone was out there with big boards and fire wires and just like dropping in here and there riding like running people over not even. You just don't know. They don't give a fuck about mm. <laughs> if they were going like dropping in. So it's a pretty, it's a it's a circus, man. We'd like the tour de circus. It's um, it's it's uh, what you can what can you call it? It's a uh, it's a kook of the day kind of thing. It's kook slaps. <laughs> yeah. Is this a? I mean, I'm from Australia, so I surfing obviously has a much longer history there, and and I think that there's 
you know, the rules of the game are pretty well established and, and, you know, there's always that kind of localism that seems to, whilst it's, I'm not a fan of localism at all, to be honest, but like it does seem to have a regulating effect on many lineups is, is one of the problems of surfing in Sweden is that there's not really that many established locals on these spots and that people are traveling long distances to get to a spot and then they just kind of, it's a bit of a free-for-all because there's no one really there to say, hey, this isn't, you know, don't act this way, you know, be good to each other or don't drop in. Like, is there, is it that nobody's really educating in the moment? Yeah, uh, as you said with localism, I'm not a big fan of it either. And if you pull, try to pull localism in, like, Denmark, Sweden, Finland or Norway, you've got to be tripping, you know. Mm. If we don't have that long surfing history that we can actually say yeah i'm a local here yeah. it's it's a bit of a for me it's just like people are trying to imitate like hawaii or any other country that has a pretty like a far line like a, like a line of history when it comes to localism yeah and in my eyes surfing should be fun surfing should be something you should you should enjoy and it shouldn't be something that brings the worst out of people mm. and and to do so, to not bring the worst out of people. Everyone can have a bad day, but just don't bring the frustration on everyone else. Mm. Everyone, people out there have fun and play, but respect one another. Mm. Surfing is like that. Surfing is like, okay, you get a wave and that wave is never going to come again. Mm. You can be pissed at it for someone just doing something wrong. But then again, just don't dwell on it. Just probably just be a, give a friendly reminder. It's like, hey man, all right, cool, not cool. Well, don't be sorry. Just don't do it again. Mm. Just be friendly to one another. And that's the thing here in Sweden. Um, they've been pretty good about it. Like, I, I enjoy surfing when I'm back home here because everyone's friendly. Uh, and we don't really have that local scene. And I wish, I hope that there's never going to be a local scene like abroad. Mm. Because that kills the vibe of surfing. That doesn't make me enjoy what, I'm, what I want to do, what I love. Mm. So, I really like it. But then again... I want to see people educating themselves in more of the risks and the rules in the water because you got to respect everyone. Mm. Everyone is out there. Everyone's yeah. got to have their fair share. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's always going to be people maneuvering around getting a bit more waves than others, but that's just how... That's just a skill level. Like, some mm. people are not on that, the same level as everyone else. You're not yeah. anyone else. So, oh, how do you say it? But respecting one another is something we are really good on back here. And I sure do hope that I, n I never have to witness anything like localism, like hardcore localism go down mm. anywhere here in Sweden, that's mm. for sure. But the circus kind of nature of it, you know, you call it the tortoise circus. Yeah. I mean, how does that get resolved or is that just the reality of surfing in some of these spots that aren't i mean torta is a well-known spot now in sweden and that's is that would you say that i've never been there so would you say that that's the go-to spot for a stockholm based person is torta that's it yeah i wouldn't even say stockholm based person i would say anyone that is around a couple of couple of hours drive from stockholm would actually still go there because it breaks often like mm. any type of south wind yeah. i shouldn't even say i don't know i think it's pretty obvious if people google where Tora yeah, is yeah. which wind needs to blow exactly yeah. but um i would say Tora is like sweden's huntington beach yeah it's like the huntington hop um you will see people out there shortboarding it, fishing it, single fin it, longboarding it, going right, straight, left, right. I don't know. Like they're, they're, every, there's every type of surfing out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a small stretch where, like the Almanningen, which is like the spot I surf all the time. I don't yeah. go to the other ones, yeah. but that's where I surf, and that's where most of the guys that I've grown up surfing with tour surf as well. 
and yeah it's like huntington it kind of reminds me it's sh it's like shitty waves it's onshore it's weak it's short and it's a lot of people it's a lot of like dodging boards is a lot of like you know it's a it's a lot of factors to like to consider like the thick wetsuit and when you're out there in january february when it's like so cold yeah and you're out there and, and you come down and you're like oh there's not going to be anyone and then you come out there and there's actually like a crowd yeah <laughs> and you're like what that's one of the things that i really like about the surfing up here myself is that you know um i traveled a long distance in Scorna in January to surf a spot and you know there's no there was no one for me to surf with so I was kind of just turning up and hoping for the best um and you know there was this one guy and it's snowing the, you know like the wind's blowing so the snow's coming down horizontal um it was a horrible day but there was swell the wind was blowing a gale and you know me and this guy I forget his name now but I think he was yeah he's from Scorner as well and he I was like, oh man, you, he's like, you going out? I was like, yeah, man, I've just driven, I've driven an hour and a half, I'm going out. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come out too with you. I'll come out too. I was like, yeah, sweet. So like, it was just really, I got a lot of respect for guys who, who put in that effort. And I, and honestly, like, if you're gonna drive that far in weather that bad to surf waves that poor, you deserve respect. Yeah, that's that's one thing you. Um when you're from Scandinavia here, the dedication of yeah. it, it doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, hailing yeah. or anything, it's, you just get out there because you're frothing. Yeah. You're frothing on, on ankle slappers to yeah. anything of shoulder, if it's shoulder high, yeah, you're definitely amazing. out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that, um, like when I get home here, surfing is not the whole thing, it's the adventure of chasing waves yeah. that I really like about it. Mm. Um, I think it was like a year and a half ago, I did this trip that was, uh, I think I drove from Stockholm to South Sweden, checked the spot, I drove six hours south, checked the spot for 45 minutes it looked that bad and it was really cold so i drove back to stockholm <laughs> then i got a call that it was really good in the north so i slept two hours and then drove six hours north and i surfed for three hours until i like froze for fro like froze my fingers and toes and it was really pumping yeah it was so, it was the first time i surfed this point but it was so fun and everyone was having a ball and I actually had to uh, use a shovel because it was so deep snow. I had to sh use a shovel to dig my own parking spot because everyone else did. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you just, instead of walking to the surf, I actually laid on my board with the fins first and I paddled down <laughs> and then jumped out. And I surfed and then I come back up and then um, I was too cold to actually drive six hours back. And then this local guy called Jim Shibata from Japan lives, I think it's Jim, yeah, yeah from japan living in uh, north sweden he invited me for tea and just like showing me showing me his like homemade shape boards like looks sick logs like sick yeah. twin fins you know and then i just realized like i went on this like i don't know probably like 14 hour mission just to surf for a couple hours and i was still stoked and i was yeah, happy yeah. about it yeah, and i, I came totally. home and i just like i just went on an adventure by myself yeah and that's that's the beauty of coming back home to scandinavia because you drive everywhere. Like I drive to Lofoten and it takes me 22 hours, but I drive by myself. Yeah. And then you go to Stavanger or you go to South, you go to Denmark and you visit like Moor or Olia or Kasper, staying up, you yeah. visit that, like that crew. So yeah. I really enjoy being based in Stockholm because you always take your little camper and you just go different, different directions and you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. You just you expect nothing, but you get something out of it. You seem to have always looked west or south and west and north from Stockholm. Have you ever looked east? Have you ever looked towards Finland or anywhere like that to have a look there? Ooh, I know uh, there's a lot there, and I assume there'd be waves in the archipelago and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I've I've looked. <laughs> I've spent many hours looking oh, at okay. Google Maps, okay. and that's actually one of the one of the one of the trips I'm actually going to do this year. That's why I'm going to spend so much time at home. I'm going to actually go and look east. Um, yeah, cool. Um, I've been in contact with a couple of people, and uh, I'm when I see a swell, they're just going to give me a notification. I'm just going to get on a plane. Yeah, and just go there. Yeah, cool. And get see, hopefully, get some score some waves because. You know, everything has been a focus on like Sweden, Norway, and Denmark now, but the other side, you know, you see all mm. these pictures like from the Baltic surf escapes, man. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely think um, that it looks like there's some sick waves in the Baltic on the other side, yeah, on the yeah. east, yeah. So, like, when he, when you see the guy from Baltic surf escapes um, put up pictures from Poland, for example, mm. you're just like, what in the hell is that? Yeah. And then you're just like starting to realize that there's waves everywhere. There's waves all of that coast mm. that hasn't been probably not even surfed yet or mm. taken photos of or whatever, but it's just something that interests me. And not just going there and surfing, but experience the culture of like Poland or Latvia or yeah, Finland yeah, yeah. or something like something different. Yeah. And the, for me, it's like the the more uh, like the more out of the ordinary, the better. Mm. That's yep. what I like about it as yeah, well. Yeah, totally, totally. I can agree with that. That sounds really rad. Um, let's just talk let's maybe a little change of pace um so i mean your 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 surfing career or your surfing experiences kind of send you do the whole competitive thing i know that you chase the qs kind of stuff as a as a younger guy did a few events there you you've also kind of been a free surfer who's done films and you know created really good content um you've also represented sweden at the worlds and i believe you're intending on representing them again in the in the future um You've kind of um, you've you've started some work as well in the surf industry um, with Revolve. So, do you want to let the listener know about that and maybe introduce Revolve as the company and, and kind of how you got started with them? Yeah, um, as you said, I've done the QS, done the competitive thing, and and the love for competition wasn't always there. You mm. know, um, it's something you, you you travel around, you're chasing results, you're chasing points, you're spending a lot of money, and it's not really that fun. A lot of people, they come there with a lot of the same shit attitude, and that's not really why I want to surf. I want to surf to get friends, like, like make friends, enjoy the place. You want to get friends. want to get friends, yeah. yeah. Sure, I don't have sure, too sure. many. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, you know, just, just want to experience the good, the good parts about surfing and that, the reasons why I started surfing. So when I changed my approach a bit more, I started looking into more the creative side of it, mm -hmm. just traveling, just uh, spending a lot of time outdoors in nature and actually realizing that nature actually has a lot, to, a lot more to give than chasing results. And uh, I was a lot happier doing that. Mm -hmm. And when you're scoring, instead of why, why should you go to resort, like a contest and you surf shitty waves when you can go and score mm -hmm. by yourself yeah. somewhere? and that's going to be a memory for life mm. and i wasn't very good at the contesting anyway it was i was always like nervous and you know it's it wasn't fun mm. still fun time with your mates your surfing level like sparks up when you're mm. surfing a contest but it's so much competitive vibe it takes the joy out of it yeah so when i started um spending a lot of time outdoors and like becoming more and more aware of what, what's going on in nature um I just started like seeing, I was just becoming more aware how nature is suffering mm -hmm. from all the pollution and all the destruction we're as humans are like doing right now. So I started to change my approach a bit 
towards the, well, the sustainable things of it. And as I think I've seen, I think I've spoken to you about that before, utilizing the time I've spent trying chasing sponsors, trying to chase budgets, uh, utilizing that skill, and me actually studying marketing and business mm. management, using that that knowledge to something better. Mm. And um, I've started applying it because I'm really interested in the social media. I'm really into the political, uh, the political, um, as like, what is it called, um, topics and yeah, yeah. what's going on in the world right now. And uh, so, Revolve, um, a Swedish company that is just doing a great, like just a business model that is so great, using waste as a resource, mm. producing surf gear for surfers or aware, like people with awareness that are aware of what's going on mm. and products that are less. What can you what do you call it? Um, less harmful for harmful for the environment, really. Mm. And I was in Costa Rica this winter and uh, I saw that Revolve um, was uh, hiring um, digital marketer, social media brand manager mm. in, those co- in those sort of lines and I said alright, I've been in the surf industry I love surfing Nat- like the, our environment is hurting, everything mm. that's in it like, like everything, living organism and the environment is hurting right now mm. and this is a company that is just has in their business model just to be you know, better mm. Well, a lot of a lot of like in the surfing industry, a lot of businesses are actually ignoring right now how mm. much plastic they actually produce and use mm. and waste, you know. So I applied for the job, and uh, he got back to me, and I actually <laughs> managed to get it. Mm. And I'm loving it right now. I'm loving. I've never met John. I've just spoken to him on the phone. I'm gonna meet him probably today or tomorrow. Yeah, cool. And which is gonna be pretty cool. But the brand that he has created is something for me that is going to be revolutionary. Mm. You know, when Jack O'Neill produced the leash, yeah. or his son Pat O'Neill actually in the, yeah. in, the, in the 60s produced, like, created the leash. This is another milestone, creating some, creating a product that is made, used uh, from, like, exists from waste, mm. human, like, plastic waste mm. we use. And that's another milestone, milestone in the industry of surfing where you we, we, we it's a new era mm. you know definitely and I, I and i like that um i mean he obviously the brand um i've been using the revolve leashes for yeah i mean well i mean look the proof as well about that company which is super interesting is that you know the 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 collaboration with slater designs on on that leash um i mean as far as i understand kelly slater actually used that leash for a really long time and pretty like in a hawaiian season even and you know couldn't break it he like the performance qualities are there so i feel like a lot of people assume that using recycled materials is going to be a weakness in terms of performance but i feel like yarn has managed to overcome or or dispel those myths about performance and quality when it comes to a recycled product yeah um there's been a lot of people talking about like how good these leashes are like they're they're the same as any other leash or even better yeah exactly yeah uh, they're not gonna break they for example kelly slater like you said yeah, he's been yeah. using it and he's been testing it a pipe yeah anywhere else and the people on the ct right now when they're doing the highline contests yeah they're using the same leash yeah as like revolved leashes yeah. with collaboration with slater designs. yeah so there's not really anything for me to say it's just it's a good product is the product works and it's it holds it's mm. not going to break mm. 
Or if you just take a complete shout in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, of course. Yeah. Of course, we should disclaim it to <laughs> yeah, the listener. Like it, it'll probably break if you yeah. tie it to your car and drive away <laughs> and tie yeah. it off against the wall. But what I'm going to say is it's like it's a product. It's like it's um, performance and quality as any leash, but it's a different leash in terms of how we produce it. Yeah, exactly. And so, but on this topic of kind of working in the industry now as well as being still, you know, uh, what, what most people... I don't know how you refer to yourself, but still like a, a, a professional rider, someone who's an influencer in the space. Um, do you do you feel better about actually working on something apart from your own content? Is that a, an interesting step for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm putting a lot more my skills to use. Um, as I said, I'm also studying marketing and I've been going to Barry's School of Communications in Stockholm and now I'm enrolled in a university in England online. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to study online because you actually have to sit down, you have to do your own work mm-hmm. and your own research and it, it gets more of a, it's some, it drives you more. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy using my skills as I've gotten from surfing, chase, as I said, chasing sponsors mm-hmm. and whatever not, um, to putting that into practice in working for Revolve, for example. Um, well, I got off topic there, man. What was the what was question? No, again? but like, what's it like to be to be working in the industry? Oh yeah, and not just kind of worried about your own content oh. strategy or whatever. Like, how is that as a difference? And I mean, is it a good thing for surfers who who see themselves in aspiring for what you've achieved? Um, there's a younger generation in Sweden who probably want to be pro surfers. Should they be looking at just working in the industry and also contributing to something bigger than just their own careers? Yeah, definitely what you're saying, contributing to something than just their own careers. Uh, surfing, your surfing career is not going to last forever mm. unless you're Kelly mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's a personal choice as well, putting my brain to use is something different. Uh, for something different you know and if you have so much knowledge from the surfing industry why not bring something that you love and have so much knowledge into your working life Mm. if you if you love something if you love what you're working with it's not going to be work Mm. in the same in in a sense so that's what i want to see as well i want to see athletes getting more involved with brands when it comes to function and just just existing being a brand like just not being just commercial like a a commercial space Mm. where they could be it's more giving back into the company like sort of like how the patagonia's business model is when it comes to riders and athletes and yeah. and uh, ambassadors and stuff like that mm. that's something that is more useful like i see i see the i see the purpose i see the what do you what do you call it i see um i see the function in it mm. it's not a waste of money from the from the company no. it's actually putting something you still have a brand ambassador yeah. but they're actually contributing to something better yeah exactly. something like overall good yeah and that's how I want to, like, if I'm not going to do chase results and do contests, I might as well contribute in several ways, not just being a brand myself. Yeah. I can use those skills to help partners build, I build products or just, like, getting better branding, moving towards a more sustainable way, like that, what I'm focusing on. Mm. And that's, um, that's, how, that's how my thoughts are right now, just uh, trying to um, involve what is my daily life into work as well when it comes to like surfing and yeah i don't know how to put it any other way actually i think you put it a pretty good way <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, look, I mean, I think that's a pretty positive note to, to kind of wrap things up. Was there, was there any other kind of last message, I guess, you have for any of the, I guess, some of the younger surfers out there that are looking, that may look up to you, that may follow you, that, that, that may be thinking, you know, like, how, how do I kind of make a difference through surfing? What kind of, do you have any advice for them to, as a final kind of word? Well, not from surf, like not for surfing really, but I can say, uh, f- pick up your trash and bin it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Take, oh, that's a pretty easy one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprisingly hard for some. Yeah, it's surprisingly hard actually. Uh, there's many times I've been down to Tour and you see cigarette butts like no. thrown on the beach, and it's something that shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be happening right now because we all yeah. know that it's bad for the environment, but you still see it go because people are lazy. And, uh, there must be a bit of snooze down there as well. Yeah, right? definitely some snooze bags and everything. Yeah, that's like horrible that stuff. Yeah, I I just really want to see people getting more involved into actually um, taking three for the sea and uh, picking it up and binning it. it. Like, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. Nah. If we're enjoying what nature gave giving us, it's uh, waves. We can give something back and. And we can give a lot back just by little by little, and just see, uh, like, just change the world for a better place. Really, that's pretty nice. All right. Yeah. So the key message is: pick up your fucking trash, idiots. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Great. We'll leave it there. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Okay, so thank you very much to Tim Latte for joining me on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Fair bit going on there for Tim at the moment. Um, he's working in Nicaragua, uh, also just recovering from a few injuries, and his uh, environmental work with Revolve. Very interesting stuff. Great guy. Love him to bits. Thanks, Tim, for joining me. As usual, when we like to finish off the show, I want to let you know about the fact that you can indeed purchase previous issues of the magazine at nordicsurfersmag.ticktail.com. So check it out. You want to collect the whole set. You know what it's like. You know the drill. Go to the website. Uh, As usual, also, we'd like to finish with a bit of music. In this case, we're going hardcore. We're going real hardcore. We have a, a band... Uh, called Legbiter, which is a heavy, noisy, hard rock band from Sweden. Um, the band itself has many veteran members from uh, a number of 90s northern Swedish hardcore and alternative groups, such as Cult of Luna, Purasam and Lug. As um, I'm reading a bit of a few words here about it, the music is harsh and abrasive with pummeling guitars and anxiety-ridden shouting vocals. For fans of bands such as Unsane, Melvins, Fight Amp, Helmet, Jesus Lizard and Old Man Gloom, you're going to love this one. The song is called Oscar and uh, it's part of the debut EP called Totesmear, which is uh, which was released last fall on, on a number of streaming sources and the full-length album will be recorded this year. We'll have a link there for you to follow up with Leg Biter. And um, if you were thinking about meditating, this really isn't the music to listen to right now. Otherwise, enjoy. See you next episode. Bye.